0: Why, hello there everybody and welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today, now I'm back off my holiday, is Mr Joe Bray. Joe, how's it going?
1: I'm good, thanks Dan. I'm glad you're back because I was hosting last week and its it just wasn't the same. I don't <laughs> think I had the, the energy that you always bring to uh, to no. the podcast.
0: Well, I, I say I'm, I'm refreshed, I'm rejuvenated, I'm ready to rock and roll, and I'm hoping just as enthusiastic with us as also is Mr. Simon rakowski side how was the...
2: Yeah, good, thanks. You've got a bit of uh, Rick Astley rhythm to your voice there in that intro. Oh, I'm liking
0: it. i I've not actually seen it yet. <laughs> I've only seen him doing uh, some AC/DC, didn't he? He looked sick. I can't wait to dive into that. There's
2: a Smith set that it's worth, him with Blossoms yeah Check that's top
0: of my list i'll be getting to that don't you worry but yeah all crocodile rocked out at the minute because you know <laughs> big, hey this is city podcast and it's quite relevant in it big elton What a sir, way to elton, John.
2: sir elton get it right yeah and he does i
0: i think big is like a better a more kind of complimentary name than sir personally but that's just a nice right, big elton, it all Pat. big sir elton absolutely smashed it and I'll tell you someone else who has smashed it over the last seven years but sadly won't be doing it any longer in a Manchester City shirt is of course Ilkay Gundogan. Good timing for us for a change, the big news has happened before the podcast recording but it's sad news for our City fans as Ilkay Gundogan has confirmed he will be leaving the club upon the expiration of his contract and heading to Barcelona on a free transfer. He's uh, penned a Lengthy and heartfelt tribute on the city website. I can't re- can't re- kind of uh, go through it all because it'll take me ages and I'll probably stumble over it to high heaven. But you know, he says it's a total privilege to have played for City over the last seven years. It'll ever be his home. He'll forever be a blue and yeah. And if anyone hasn't read it already, I'll go over there and I'm sure you'll shed a tear. But you may well want to stay here first because you might shed a tear at the f- tributes to follow. Because Simon, what a player! A player who's Been here since the start of Guardiola's reign, the first sign, and even though it got off to an auspicious start with a couple of gnarly injuries, one who kind of overcame such hardship to be one of the real kind of, until probably the last two years, one of the underappreciated faces of the side. and But now everyone kind of appreciates just how incredible a player he is.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's any kind of real surprise in the fact that he's kind of grown to be more appreciated once david silver um left the club he was kind of always behind um you know silver and de bruyne in that midfield in the perception um but certainly since 2018 uh free from injuries he has been a phenomenal (laughs) player for the club and um you know so many so many great moments to 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 think about and you know his captaincy this season has been exceptionally. will go down in in history um for leading city to the treble and you know we'll probably end up with a with a pitch named after him at the at the training ground and you know given given he's done his coaching or is doing his coaching badges um who knows maybe we will see him at the etihad at some point in the future
0: yeah, he certainly seems the type of player who will be uh, um, grace in the Premier League again one day, if it's in a managerial capacity or not. But, you know, Joe, like, what a player. The, the stats, you know, are incredible. Signing 2016, seven years, 304 games, 60 goals, 40, and si- 40 assists. But I think what kind of makes Gundogan so good and will be so memorable, other than his kind of clutch goals and whatnot, which we'll come on to, but... Just so many moments of kind of unquantifiable greatness. I'm sure all the statos at City can have a, have on record how many times he's won loose balls and played amazing passes. We don't, or at least I don't anyway. But that's the sort of figures that reach into the countless territory. And he's just been so important to City for years now. And, and there probably was a period maybe like maybe 2020, 2021 when he wasn't. Kind of playing as much and he was in and out of the team but the way he's kind of come back i like it was always we'll get on to his captain so it seemed to be quite the surprise when he got the armband because he wasn't quite like the guaranteed starter that the Bruiner is but to kind of wrestle his way back in and just be so important for so long is incredible i know we'll, we'll talk on some of his favorite moments in a bit but the 2019 season is what i'm gonna specifically praise him for myself
1: I wouldn't say it was a surprise when he got the, the captaincy. He's been there obviously a long time and he's he's one of those sort of lead by example players rather than lead with the sort of big speeches and, and put the, the heart on Steve. But he, he was one of them where you can't really remember him having a bad game. And if he ever did find himself out of the team, it was because other players were were playing well. And then he'd come back and you'd be like, oh, yeah, this guy is very, very good at football. And suddenly he's scoring 20 goals a season or he's... He's put it in the top corner from from thirty yards, and yeah, like you mentioned, he scores a lot of big goals in in big games. And uh, you know, every time he, he pops up in the box and scores these goals, I find myself thinking, "Oh yeah, Gundogan is here as well." It's not just Silver or or De Bruyne or whoever the striker they've got, whether it's uh, Sergio Aguero or or Erling Haaland. He's he's one of them that he goes under the radar because he just does everything well and right. And uh, I don't think it's any surprise that when it comes to the the run-ins. Gundogan is always in in this season, last season. Um, I'm thinking about the goal at, at Brighton when uh, when they won the league. Was it? I, I mean, all these seasons get mixed up into into. When, was it 2019 when they was, when they yes. won on, on the final day? Yeah. So he's. He, I think I think he'll be missed more towards the end of next season rather than the beginning. I think we'll we'll get to next season and think okay that you know it's it's fine. Look look at this midfield. Look look how good it is. But then they'll get to games where they really need to win, and Gundogan is one of those who reeled them through in seasons gone by, and that might be where uh, where they'll feel it. His exit more than uh, more than most.
0: I don't think it can be overlooked. Side just how how difficult his first kind of couple of years were at the club. I mean, he's was basically pre agreed to sign in the summer of 2016, and then he suffered a serious, very serious knee injury a nine month for before even joining. I think he even went on record saying he feared. The deal would collapse, but Guardiola was like, "No chance, I'm having you." He came in. He eventually recovered. Looked good when he finally got on the pitch, but then um, not long after suffered another injury that wiped him out for the best part of the year. Mm. To come back from such hardship, you know, a lot of players, you know, you've seen so many careers kind of fall by the wayside when this gets, you know, two injuries like that in such quick succession. It'd be, you know, it'd be no surprise or shame if he hadn't have reached the heights he has. But to do so mm. after such such setback, such hardship. He's even more kind of, um, just more credit to the player he is and the character he is.
2: Yeah, I think it was three bad injuries in four years um, and that kind of really made him stop and he, he had a, a spinal injury when he was at, at Dortmund um, and I think one of the doctors basically said, yeah, you won't play football again um, and fortunately he did but, all that kind of forced him to think about how he was sort of approaching his career and after sort of that run of bad injuries he then kind of started adjusting things and um you know he sort of limits the use of his phone uh before going to bed because then you'll sleep better and um if you see them in training you know he won't be the one having like a silly kick around he does exactly what he knows his body can do and he goes through the same warm-up every time and um you know make sure that he's not taking any unnecessary risks that might put his his playing time at fault uh, or at risk and and that is why um yeah I think Edison Harland and Rodri are the only players who played more than him this season Um, And sort of, you know, after the quarterfinal in Bayern Munich, certain players needed a rest. Gundogan played the FA Cup semi at Sheffield United. After the semi-final in Madrid, certain players needed a rest. Gundogan wasn't. So, you know, City's kind of contract offer towards him was built on the idea of, well, you're 32 and you're not getting any younger. Um, And in fact, he was, you know, not playing like a 32-year-old. So... Barcelona a a hoop with signing him and uh, and rightly so and it'll be interesting to see how many how many more years he he has at the top.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about kind of City's role in this and how much of a blow it's going to be and if it's perhaps a mis misstep on their part momentarily, but first you know let's let's keep on to keep focused on the tributes and all the good vibes Joe like come on, you know 60 goals, forty assists, countless amazing performances like what are some of your favorite kind of highlight moments, goals, anything from Probably seven years at the club.
1: Well, I think it's easy to get uh sort of have recency bias in in that because obviously the the FA Cup final goals were brilliant, especially that first one. Um, the the goals to th- those back to back braces to to win the the Premier League effectively this season. And and by the way, we were talking last week when you went here down about goals of the season. I don't think we mentioned Gundogan against Everton, which was arguably. The Class. goal of the season which is not to sort of flick and improvise finish and he put in his players tribute article that he definitely meant it so you know fair play and you know how we miss that is is beyond me but you know that that sort of summed him up because he could score all those he, he could score the tappings he could score the goals where he arrives on the area he could score the wonder goals like uh the fa cup final and yeah that scored the the big goals and I think either City or or Gundogan put out a video today of his sort of moments and I'd forgotten that he'd scored even at the start of his career when yes he was injured but he was he was sort of playing uh, whenever he did play he was playing well and he scored twice against Barcelona at at the Etihad when City weren't the side in Europe that they currently are and uh, so he's he's always been the one who's who's scoring them big goals and I think one that I remember more than most is when edison just launched it downfield and he, he he controlled it left was it Davinson sanchez on his backside and finished against tottenham and that was when he was scoring he, he was city's false nine in that season and took up the goal scoring mantle when when no one else would and uh that was a that was one that was just sort of a, me- a memorable one but yeah like i say the the goal against brighton on the final day of that season and uh, you've, we've got to mention the, the aston villa goals as well so there. are so many, and I'm I'm sure I will have missed an obvious one or two as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean the the craziest thing there is that you're saying how he played up front basically and was getting in amongst the goals. In contrast, I'm gonna praise the season when he was playing the holding role, you know, it's the 2018-19 <laughs> year. Um, Fernandinho got injured, didn't he? Um, towards the end of the year, couldn't play as much, so he had no one no one a natural replacement to fill his boots so Gundogan goes there for the last however many games it was that season it might even been um for most of that most of that second half of the campaign and he was absolutely sublime there as you say he's more the role we've come to kind of know and love in recent years has been that dynamic and getting up the pitch winning those loose balls pressing high and being involved at the goal mouth but to kind of completely go back and just go in that deep sitting role you know it, 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 it got City through that season and you mentioned his goal there against Brighton it was the fourth in a 4-1 win it was that, that afternoon when I think Liverpool were winning the league for all of eight minutes before before City came back um, after going behind um, but he kind of, it was so fitting I thought then that he tapped, He kind of capped the season off with a stunning free kick because it was basically it was obviously there's City, so many great players you know that season it was Vincent Company as well of course winning, um, winning basically winning the campaign with that that screamer against Leicester but he was like, if it wasn't for him, you get the impression City might not have won the title that year. Liverpool were sublime as well, um, driving them all the way to the end. And the way he stepped up, I say, in a completely different role, was just kind of really does typify how it's almost like the, the just the ideal Guardiola player, I find. Like, you know, the total football kind of ideal personified. You can play anywhere on the pitch and always be incredible when he does its side. But yeah, any any moments from your memory?
2: Uh no, you've stolen them both. Um no, I I think what kind of what is nice for Gundogan is that he was kind of synonymous with a few of City's uh more notable failures. Um you know, when City really thought they were gonna win the Champions League in 2018 and then they went to Liverpool, Guardiola played Gundogan and uh for that control in midfield and it all went wrong 2021 final played a hold of midfielder all year and then that's the first time he plays without uh rodri or fernandinho and it's going and they lose so it was really fitting that his last act as you know as a city player was to lift the the champions league trophy in istanbul but also that you know he'd made those moments since um of like the goals uh against aston villa on the final day or the Uh, the goals this season I I think it it just kind of sums him up that you know the two seasons you both mentioned um, yeah like he he was amazing as a false nine and none of us thought he he would be when Pep first mentioned it but he was just slotted in so seamlessly and even that 18-19 season Fernandinho was injured for a lot of it he wasn't injured for all of it but still Gundogan kept his place and it was like he, he was and is kind of one of the best eights in the game but when you needed him to be a world class six or a world class nine he'd just do that and um you know they sort of jokes about him being prime Zidane um in in the latter months of every season but basically he could be prime whoever you wanted him to be um and he could he could do it he was he was and is that good I keep saying was like we're at a funeral <laughs> or something but you know, he he is still that good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if we haven't mentioned it enough, the goal in the FA Cup final, of course, after twelve seconds. For
2: <laughs> yeah, Christ's sake, but, it was amazing. But also, the um, he scored the goal uh, in the derby against United. I think it was twenty nineteen, yeah. maybe the game before Mourinho got sacked, where it was like, was it forty three passes, um, and it was just like utter domination. And it, again, it was fitting that it was that it was him that got it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So many amazing moments over those seven years. If you've got any favourites, please send them over to am, at Man City MEN. But we'll bring part one to a close there and we'll come back in just a moment to discuss how City cope without their star captain. Don't go anywhere. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking City podcast. We've got all the... the, the The tributes and the the glowing praise, um, well and truly kind of done. It's out the way now. We need to talk about where City stand at this place because they are, it's they're losing as such an important player. A player who has started every important game towards the end of the season, even games that weren't important, he was still starting. You know, City have got used to waving goodbye to kind of massive legends over the recent years, every for the last four summers they've lost Fernandinho, Sergio Aguero, David Silva and Vincent Company. and then even further than that you go back to Joe Hart leaving, Pablo Zabaleta leaving, Yaya Torre leaving I'm sure there's people I've forgotten there um, but none of them Joe have ever been still at the peak of their powers if anything Gundogan's still playing the best football of his career all those other players mentioned while still brilliant players were kind of noticeably on the decline and it was the right time to go. This this time it feels different. It doesn't from a City perspective at least, it doesn't feel like the right time to go. They're losing the captain again for the fourth time in a row as well but they're just losing such a, and a player who's still so integral to how City play, to how they win and they say a, a treble winning captain lest, lest we forget, just three week two, just over two weeks ago we left the Champions League after playing in you know all three, well both finals and the running, playing such a crucial role in the running too. So, like, this is a massive blow, one that City might not have faced as much in recent years.
1: Yeah, I think it is. And uh, those names you mentioned, I think most of them, City would probably have kept for another year, maybe. Especially, I'm thinking Vincent Kompany. You're not going to turn down a chance to to stay with him for another year. But again, it's it's that sort of feeling that once they're over thirty. And like yeah, Gundogan's what thirty two, and if you offer him a two year deal, he's then thirty four, and there's a lot of risks with it. He's obviously had his injury problems. I think it makes sense why City have kept a sort of strict line on that contract, but they've still got to go and do what they've done with all those other players, which is replace them. And they haven't always done that. I'm thinking it took them a year and a bit to replace uh, company. It took them two years to replace Aguero. It's it's going to be one of them where we might not. See it this season in terms of who is the direct replacement. But I think at the same time, there are enough bodies and enough options that will see City comfortably managing in midfield, even if there's not a single player who can do exactly what what Gundogan does, which is, as we mentioned, he can play in defensive field by attacking meal and he can do all of them in, in the space of a single game if, if needed. I think you've got players like John Stones, we have saw at the end of the season, who can do a bit more of the defensive work. Phil Foden can do a bit more of the attacking work if needed. I'm sure we'll come on to Mateo Kovacic and maybe even Declan Rice. There, there will be options. Where does Calvin Phillips fit in all of this? Is is he? Does this leave a, a gap for him to step up? It will be a significant step up if he does but there there are options so they're not short on on bodies where where they have been when they've replaced other other positions but in terms of one player who can roll it all into one i don't think they have that and i don't think there's another player like that on the market so it will be another test of, of how city uh evolve as as they always do and always will do uh, it'll be a test of how they do that because gundogan has been so important and as i said before he always comes good in, in the, the run-ins and the, the big games at the end of the season. So, somewhere else is going to have to take that mantle as well.
0: Have City made a miscalculation here, Si, and just not offering him the contract that he wanted and probably earned, given there's still the remarkably high level of his performances?
2: Uh, I'll tell you in 12 to 24 months' time. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it is a bit... It's a bit... I don't know. I, I I would like to think that back in January, February, March, I was saying City should be offering him a new deal. But from kind of March onwards, it became just like every week. It was like, why on earth aren't City offering him a better deal? Why aren't they offering him a, a better deal? And even, um, you know, by April, City were like, we, we yeah, even we know we have to offer him a better deal. Um, and they did, but it still wasn't enough. Um, against Barcelona's I mean you can understand City's um stance on you know their contract negotiations and you know offered him what they thought was was very good for his age um it's just that he was kind of outperforming what you know what anyone was expecting really no one expects him to have the the huge influence that he that he did Um, and it will be a challenge to to carry that on but you know for for him the the opportunity not just to play for you know another great club in Barcelona but also three years and um, to have kind of a a prime role going into the Euros in Germany next year um, was ultimately more more appealing so yeah it, it feels like City should be able to replace him because you know up until march april they were very much expecting him to to go so it, it yeah it, it's that it's that challenge i th- sort of think like joe said company was the last real one uh, where you thought they'd miss him and and company went and retired mm-hmm. to to take up coaching so um it will be it it'd be interesting to see how How he gets on and how city get on without him because he's a player for seven years really who sort of it's been easy to miss how how big his impact has been
0: yeah absolutely well let's kind of talk about replacing him now we know city are closing in hopefully any any day now, probably when recording this and it'll all turn into chaos <laughs> that Mateo Kovacic is coming in from Chelsea as our very own Simon reports. It's an initial 25 million fee, potentially going up by a further five million if certain clauses are met. Now, Joe City aren't saying I don't see him as a direct replacement, but in terms of like kind of playing style, he does kind of seem to fit the bill. The of a similar kind of dynamic box to box mold good on the ball good in possession but still a bit aggressive got some tenacity about him um but kind of obviously i don't see Kovacic play quite as much um as any chelsea fan but i get the impression he's quite a player who can can blow quite hot and cold he can look like the best player in the world one moment and then maybe have a, a couple of stinkers in there um every you know every other week like he's in a you know a chaotic chelsea team for the last four or five years now um so he's not maybe not been in the best environment to really impress. He's obviously um, a key member of a Croatia team that continue to outperform and defy expectations um, alongside Luka Modric there. So how, how, how do you see this signing? It's, I feel like it's a good value for money, considering when you think how much Chelsea are trying to milk out a Mason Mount to United. But maybe there's other factors in play there. It seems like I say on the face of it, like a good replacement. And, you know, especially once Guardiola gets his claws into him, you never know how much a player can get even better. But as we'll get on to, I don't think it's quite enough. Just I don't think he's shown the consistency throughout his career to, you know, to be a guaranteed success.
1: I I would have agreed with you on the face of it, because when you first hear his name and he's linked with City, you think, oh, is, is that it? Mateo Kovacic, he's he's okay, he's a good enough player, but is he City standard? And then you look at his record and you look at the players he's played with and what he's done for club and country and he's won the Champions League four times and played a decent role in that Real Madrid side that that won it. I think he was there three years in a row when, when they won it. He's won the Europa League with uh, Chelsea, helped Chelsea win the Champions League and obviously at City's expense, but no one expected that Chelsea side to, to win the Champions League that year um he's got experience if city want to use that in the super cup and, and Club world cup and city's next step is to go and defend the champions league and go back to back and uh, continue winning all these trophies and Kovacic is someone one of the few people probably around who is available and has experience of going again on on these sort of Big stages on on multiple fronts, and yeah, I don't think he's going to be the same player as Gundogan. He he doesn't score the same amount of goals. He's probably a little bit more defensive, and he doesn't strike you as someone who's as sort of adept on the ball and and sort of that sort of intricate passing that that Guardiola likes. But you don't play for Real Madrid, and you don't win the the Champions League that many times if if you're not a bad player. And as you mentioned, helped uh, Croatia to the the World Cup final and and everything they've done. So I think he's going to be one of those sort of quietly underrated signings and at, at, at 25 million for a player with that record it's fairly low risk as we said as we mentioned city have a lot of options in midfield now and someone like kovacic should have the ability and uh the experience to to help them i don't, I don't think he will have the same impact as going but if you're going to get someone on the market for relatively good money i think he, he seems like a fairly good signing
0: well, when, I think when you consider that Phillips cost 14, obviously, <laughs> partly, you know, injuries and then partly just not being up to uh, up to snuff just yet. like Kovacic is obviously a much better player than Phillips, much more big game experience side. Where where do you stand on the side? It almost feels like this is the set. Kovacic is the player they kind of wanted Phillips to be last year, the one who can stand in for Rodri and give him rest. Um, and I say that he's not seen his direct replacement. We'll talk about who could be, but maybe he's a you know a good versatile hand to have given given Gundogan's going and they need someone, and, and, you know, Phillips perhaps stepping up as well next year, maybe, but they need someone to really take that load off Rodri, given how much football he played last year. Didn't he finish in, like, 70 games for Club and Country or something ridiculous like that after the Nations League final, which obviously beat Kovacic in? Like, yeah, City do need to kind of lessen the load on his shoulders.
2: Yeah, I think Phillips um, still has more of a chance of sort of playing that sixth role when Rodri isn't there although you know city are changing all the time aren't they that six roll of Rodri became a, a double six with with stones um so yeah i mean again a lot has been said already by you guys but it, it's a good price for someone who is so experienced um and wants to to come and improve and himself at the club I'd kind of liken it to sort of signing a kanji last year Um, when Akanji came no one was too fussed everyone was like all right another defender right played for Dortmund did he right no one else wanted him okay and Akanji came with his experience of playing in the Champions League and experience of playing uh, for Switzerland and you know was at the World Cup in the middle of the season and turned into one of the best signings in not just for City last year but the Premier League so Kovacic will be hoping to Show more of that than end up on the sort of Calvin Phillips spectrum, Um but he has got the sort of experience and and versatility to give him every chance of doing that.
0: You know, we we've talked about Adnan in this podcast. I've probably written it um, to exhaustion as well, but I think we're all in the agreement that City needed a midfielder, even if Gundogan did stay. Obviously, we all thought kind of Bellingham would be the one, but he's chosen Real Madrid instead. So. City themselves I said there, there's another midfielder that needs signing somewhere the name the big name at the moment side is Declan Rice What, obviously Arsenal are currently probably leading the chase for him and uh uh the you know that is their biggest target City looks kind of be snooping in at the 11th hour so where where do we currently stand on the on the Rice uh situation and, and is he the player to replace Gundogan I don't think he's quite as refined or as technical but as a there's a kind of force of will and nature and a brilliant passer um and a really dynamic player. Another one who can really play that um kind of holding role as well as further up the pitch. I think it'd be an excellent sign in hundred million. You see, you know, it's not my money, it's either here or there. But if they do get rice and more, maybe more importantly, stop Arsenal from getting rice, I think it'd be a really good sign.
2: I think if Rice signed, he would be more of kind of the profile um in terms of uh his. Hates to use a word but like brand um you know signing a player for 100 million or whatever is more like here is your Ilkay Gundogan replacement um I'm not so sure on the pitch I think he'd be kind of less um similar to to Gundogan uh than Kovacic would be and sort of more more in line with Rodri so maybe that double pivot comes in there um yeah well i mean as far as i know we're not really anywhere beyond where we were at the end of last week where some people said a bid had been made and loads of people got excited or angry depending on if you support city or arsenal and then people say oh maybe there hasn't been a bid made and as far as i know there still hasn't been a bid like city are interested in rice um but that hasn't translated into a bid yet. People expect a bid, but people have expected a bid for about a week and there hasn't been a bid. And Arsenal have bid twice and been rejected. And I meant to be coming in with a third bid, but <laughs> I've known all this news for three or four days and haven't come in with a third bid yet. So um as ever with transfers, there are a lot, there is a lot going on from all parties involved in the negotiations and yeah, there's a there's a possibility that City could sign Rice, but as you say, at the minute, Arsenal are in the driving seat.
0: Yeah, I mean, West Ham's chairman David Sullivan kind of went on record and um, the day after, I think it was their Europa Conference League win, saying that Rice is you know all but gone. He's played his last game. But despite that, Joe, they are still kind of holding back Arsenal back. They're not letting him go without a fight. I think it's like kind of reported hundred millions around the asking price, and you know, I should say two bids already rejected from Arsenal. Do you think he'd be worth the money he'd probably cost? Like, And do you think he'd be a good sign?
1: I think next summer he would be a good signing, but you're not going to get him next summer because he's leaving this summer. So I think City could do with a player like that going forward. We've talked about, obviously, Gundogan's going, maybe Bernardo goes, Kevin De Bruyne isn't getting any younger. They'll need another midfielder. And if they want to, say, mould Phil Foden into a midfielder, then he'll need a bit of time to adapt. And maybe that's when you do bring in the double pivot and. I mean, Declan Rice is one of the best defensive midfielders out there and I I could see him in in that role. He's played next to Calvin Phillips for England in that double pivot role. You can see him definitely doing that next to Rodri, especially as I said with Rodri and Stones and how they played and just the way that City moved the pullbacks inside. um, I think he would would clearly be a good player for City and he's got that football and intelligence and he's spoken, hasn't he, about loving the way that uh, Yaya Torre played and driving forward, he's added that to his game recently of those driving runs into the box and you could see it. I think it would be a good signing um, but I I would put it in one of those I'm trying to think of other names sort of like, say, Harry Maguire and Fred and Sanchez where City didn't put too much in and didn't go pay more than they needed to just to get the the player. Um, I, I could see City sort of walking away because they don't need him. But I think yeah, he would be a, a very good player if, if they could get him. And as you mentioned, if if you stop Arsenal getting him as well, then that's an added
0: bonus. If not Rice then, Joe, who who does City go for? Because like, you know, McAllister's already off the board. Bellingham's obviously gone. Like i you know, I've not got the vast scouting knowledge of a football manager player, but it's kind of time it's kind of uh, an amateur I shouldn't be saying amateur because it's my job <laughs> really Charlie Michelle short there. But it doesn't seem like there's many option obvious options kind of jumping off the jumping off the screen for city at present other than Rez?
1: Well exactly. So if if they end up with just Matteo Kovacic as, as their midfield signing this summer, it's not a bad summer really. They've they've replaced the body that's gone out different player, but Kovacic as we've said is is a very good player and we've seen how City's midfield has been added to in the last few weeks of the season with Stones um any any Fullback on on the books, Kanji, Nathan Ake, uh, players like Phil Foden coming back. City will have enough midfielders to to cope next season without Ilkay Gundogan, and they're not a team to to just spend money on on any player for the sake of it. They they'll happily wait. They have done. They went a season without a striker, for example, because there wasn't the right strike right on the market, and, and we're happy to wait. So I could see City doing that, and. Not, not spending money just for the sake of it, just to get a midfielder in. They'll, they'll wait for the right person and who knows next season, someone can have a great year, be available, there'll, there'll be a release clause, who knows? And then the, everyone will be saying in 18 months' time, aren't we glad we waited? And I, I, can see, I can see a sort of scenario like that.
0: Do you feel sitting in another midfielder this summer side? I mean, I think the only way they could maybe get away with it is if they stick with that same system that did them so well towards the end of last year. You know, Alvarez has proven he can play in like kind of the de Bruyne's role. Foden has been coming back into midfield. I could see a way how they can kind of you know get Kovacic in. I could see how they can get by for a year, you know, with Stones being able to play in the defensive roles as well. But did you think they need someone else?
2: I'm not sure they do right now. Um, I mean, I'd kind of be looking more more out wide. Um but, but that that's just just me. Um, I I just think we we seem to have gone into so many seasons being like, oh, City are never going to get. You
0: need a left back.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, oh, they're never going to do this with only this. Or how can they do this without a striker? Uh, and they did it once without a striker. But how can they do it without a striker again? Um, and this Erling Haaland's never going to be any good, is he? Um, and all such takes um and they seem to pull it out of the bag um you know one thing that City prize with their signings is versatility and the ability to be able to um for their players to play multiple positions and this time next year we might be talking about you know Kovacic doing brilliant at eight or six or Foden coming in at eight or John Stone's becoming a, a 10. um like they have a lot of players who can play a lot of positions um although not many who can play out wide I'd say um so I don't think there is a need for Declan Rice um even in the way that they kind of didn't seem to be but probably was a way for Jack Grealish um unless Guardiola wants to change how uh the team plays Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's not only kind of midfield that they need or may want to replace. It is, of course, the a new captain as well. The fourth, fourth, fifth year on the spin. When a fourth, I think, when a new captain will need to be selected. Joe, who would you know? If you were in that leadership group, if you were casting your vote in the city changing room, who are you writing on your little your little docket? I think you actually have to write five names down, don't you, for city? But mm-hmm. we'll just go with the one. Who do you think should be city's captain this year?
1: Uh, I would say it's between De Bruyne and, and Diaz. They're different players, aren't they? De Bruyne would be, as the longest-serving player, he would be on the same uh, thought process as Gundogan and, and Silva and Fernandinho beforehand. Not sort of a an extroverted leader, but leads by example and knows when to say the right things. And uh, You you would guess that it's De Bruyne, I think, when uh, Gundogan wasn't playing, De Bruyne wore, wore the armband more than anyone else. And then the alternative... Maybe a longer-term option would be Ruben Diaz. He's he's got the speed in his lock. He wears his heart. He puts himself in and he's he's playing. Of the season, especially so I was for them. I'd I'd plump for De Bruyne just just going last two or three of those captains, where it's been uh it's it's been the the longer-serving, the senior player, the 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 quiet sort of. Player who will do his talking when it's necessary, not just for the sake of it. But uh, if it's between them two, City don't have a bad captain at all.
0: Absolutely, I think we've talked at length at the the impact Ruben mm-hmm. Diaz made um, last season. They actually didn't in twenty twenty three. They actually haven't lost a game yet in which Diaz has played. So you know, for the massive impact he has made on that team when he came back, he would get my vote.
2: Say, si, who who you in for? i would have to side with joe and go kevin de Bruyne, um but i do think it doesn't really matter who's captain and the fact that yeah being on you the lookout for your fourth captain in five years doesn't sound particularly good but winning five premier leagues in six years sounds pretty good Um, and the fact that they've been able to win these trophies while changing captain probably suggests that there are enough leaders in the team you know Ruben Diaz gave the speech to the team before the FA Cup final Kyle Walker did it before the Champions League final so um and they're just you know they've signing or have signed depending on when you you listen to this a player who's Captain Chelsea said they're um they are bringing they have plenty of leaders in the squad and they're bringing more in because again that is another trait that they like to look for from their uh potential signings.
0: Well, we'll bring part two to a close there and we'll be back in just a moment to have a little general look at the transfer window as it is. Don't go anywhere. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. So, you know, we talked about the midfield in Kind of um, a lot. I'm, I'm losing it here. It's too hot in this room. And he get <laughs> as soon as this camera as soon as this camera's off, my top is off. I'll take for furry. Um <laughs> before kind of Gundaman it became clear Gundogan was going to sign, I thought it'd be quite a, a, more of a low-key summer for city, more towards the the one of two years ago when Grealish was the only the only signing after they failed to sign Kane. And it does seem like that's how Guardiola tends to like his summers, more kind of I think I've written this sentence. To a billion times as well but um, kind of gradual uh, evolution and sudden revolution that, yeah awful I know um, he likes you know gradual changes um, keeping his small, squad small rather than all the wild and uh, kind of change that he had last year because as we saw last year it took City a few, fair few months to really click after seeing you know basically Harlem coming in and changing how they played and losing you know saying goodbye to four players who had been so integral to recent success but it it starts to look like it might not be quite as simple this year, given given all the players who might well be departing. You know, Gundogan already gone, um, Emery Laporte and Joel Cancelo kind of look expected to leave, and then the futures of Bernardo, Riyad Mahrez, and Kyle Walker are all uncertain as well. Now, Louis, you know, it'd be hard to see them losing all six, but if they did lose all six, that's six really, really experienced players, six players who've been absolutely crucial. To City's success over the last three, four, five years. You know, three of them started, oh, sorry, three of them played in the Champions League final. You know, 30 goals. I think Mares contributed last year in goals and assists. Like, Jao Costello was the best fullback in the Premier League until um, last year. So to lose all them in one summer would be a massive blowback. Surely they can't, but can they?
2: Would you like a charity bet that they don't lose all six? <laughs> I'm not a gambling man. I am, actually. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I am, but
0: I, I trust you more than me. So. Uh, I, I think, I, as
2: I, I, as we spoke about last week, though, there's always going to be the opportunity for City players to um, explore possible avenues away from the club, and many do, and more often than not, they don't all leave um I think we'd kind of expect Laporte and Cancelo to leave how much that would require a a revolution in the squad given they played very little part last season probably not um Gundogan going obviously has to be replaced if Bernardo were to go that would need kind of a significant addition I feel like Bernardo is the key to City's summer really um if he were to go and obviously would like a new challenge but it's just finding that challenge that will mean City accepts um a a decent bid for him um then that will kind of I think that will you'll really need City to um to replace both Bernardo and Gundogan but um if say he doesn't go um yeah you're looking far 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 more like evolution than revolution
0: yeah Joe like I say of those six, you know, Gunduan sadly gone was crucial. Of the other five, you know, Bernardo is the main man. He started um, both finals, was crucial in the biggest games, as he always has been. Losing him would be massive and would, would require significant replacement. I don't even know how we replace Bernardo because I don't think there's any player on the planet who has, you know, his style, his caliber. I, I, I mean, if you've got any ideas off the top of your head, please let him man mix it, but I am, I have no idea whatsoever.
1: Well, that's it. He played the sort of right wing role, didn't he? In those all those big games, and City didn't lose when when they had all the the key senior players playing, and and it got them the three trophies. And if Bernardo was to to leave that that role, yes, you can put um, you can put Julian Alvarez there. You can put Riyad Mahrez if he stays. Maybe even Phil Foden on the right. But no one gives you exactly what what Bernardo does. But we've not heard any attacking names, have we? Linked with City and. I can't picture who who would play that sort of role. Who can play midfield and attack and play across? And even I mean, Bernardo played left back last year, didn't he? So he's he's one of the most versatile players in football at the moment. But City have known that he's potentially could leave every summer for the last three or four years. So they will they'll shortly have the the uh, the replacements in mind. I, I think what's a sort of underrated factor in all of these players and side touch touched on it before is, is the Euros coming up next summer these these players will want to be playing regularly to be in in with a shot of, of being in their national teams for Euro 2024 so if Kyle Walker is looking at leaving he will be looking at the England setup as well as City if he wasn't playing in the Champions League final if he's not been playing at, at right back for City as much is he going to persuade Gareth Southgate that he can play at another major tournament when you've got Rhys James, Alexander Arnold Kevin Trippier who are all very, very good players. And I mean, likewise for Laporte, for, uh, you know, I'm looking I'm looking at your names there. Bernardo, maybe Bernardo will play for City and, and for Portugal, won't he? But th- these are players who will need to not only consider will they play for City, but what will that mean for their sort of international ambitions? And also uh, with a year to go for that, I can see that coming into play for quite a few players. And Maris has obviously got the African Cup of Nations coming up. In, in january what he will start for algeria because he's, he's the captain but you know he will want to be playing before that to make sure he's in the best possible position to to go and win another one of them so and i i think that could be a sort of simmering factor at the bottom of all of this where players won't just be thinking about the city careers they'll be thinking about what they're doing for the countries as well
0: Mm-hmm. The wild card of the window side has been kind of the strong emergence of Saudi Arabian clubs or just Saudi Arabia in general, since the government now owns the four biggest clubs. Um, Chelsea, the teams who have taken the biggest advantage of this so far, having shipped Kaladu, Koulibaly, and Ngolo Kante off there already. And I think is it Hakim Ziek and someone else may well be going out there soon as well, um, which is convenient for them given their, their need to balance the books after such lavish spending. But how. Has this kind of new force? How will this new force kind of impact? Say, because we've seen um, reports of Bernardo potentially being wanted by one of the teams. Um, it's an, it's, a, it's obviously a massive alert for anyone that the amount of money they are throwing around in putting wages and not just transfer fees is astronomical. And you know, you can't imagine. You wouldn't want to think of a player of Bernardo's quality still in the prime of his career going to, um, you know, a lesser kind of football. Was it conf- uh, confederation? But you know, there's a strong Portuguese contingent out there already. So, and with the amount of money on offer, it might well be, be tempting. Like, how how is kind of Saudi Arabia impacting the, you know, the transfer window in general, and how could it impact it?
2: Yeah, I think if uh, it it kind of looks like an ideal opportunity for João Cancelo to mm. to get a move. Uh, you mentioned the Portuguese connections, and you know if. There's a club that wants Ruben Neves. There has to be a club that wants Cancelo, not because Neves isn't good, but Cancelo is better. Um, and you know, the the links with uh George Mendez and it that looks kind of an ideal opportunity for everyone to to walk away happy. Um the Bernardo one's interesting because you know he's always said he wants a new challenge. Um, but also there's kind of the you know, wants to be closer to closer to home with with lisbon and i i think city fans have made the peace with uh barcelona and even possibly uh paris Saint-Germain as sort of being closer or a bit different as much as you know going to going to barcelona it's just a new challenge isn't it um whether city fans will be as happy for him to for that new challenge to be like a rubbish league uh probably well much further away from uh than lisbon i don't know um you know it's kind of i'm sure city would have no problem accepting the money if if a big enough bid came in for him and and barcelona have obviously been hindered by uh kind of wanting bernardo for 10 pence in the last few years um psg would be kind of the the meat in the middle best of both worlds um but there's no doubt that you know these saudi arabian clubs have kind of emerged as uh disruptors in the market and you know even um you know say say for instance city did not end up bidding for declan rice their mere presence in this market may have ensured that arsenal paid more than they wanted to for declan rice well just the Having this kind of Saudi money being like, we're willing to pay X kind of drives up the price for anyone else wanting to pay Y. So it's it, it's an influence and it's going to get a bigger, bigger factor um, if if it comes off. Um, because, you know, we are all old enough to remember when China came through with the big money and everyone was going to China. And then suddenly no one wanted to go to China anymore. I think um, Oscar's
0: still there, isn't it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah but you know that league was going to be the next big thing and then it wasn't and Cristiano Ronaldo went to Saudi Arabia to make it this great league and uh, it turns out he quickly found out it was pretty rubbish mm-hmm. Um, so you know I- I'm sure anyone who goes to Saudi Arabia will go saying I'm here to make this league great and um, more competitive and MLS is an example of a league that started off as as sort of one last big payday for some people and now has kind of grown and grown um into a much more respected league and you have premier league clubs buying uh mls talent over and american coaches in the premier league and things like that um but as of right now it's kind of unclear whether saudi arabia is going to go the way of america or china so Mm -hmm. for the minute it's a big disruptor but uh we're not sure kind of which way it will go
0: yeah, only time will tell and only time will tell joe like how city can i get through this summer what do they need at the minute it seems like defense is the main thing and if they lose walker and cancello i think they'll have to get a full back but if it's just one of them you probably and then maybe, and the port you probably think they'd get away with a center back and then as as i says it's maybe a forward depending on the futures of mares and bernardo
1: I, I would echo Si as well in, in just terms of width because, I mean, yeah, say they lose Laporte, then there's talk of Gavardio coming in and he, he seems like a very good player and, yes yeah, City have won got over the line in, in the treble in terms of basically playing four centre-backs in the back four and people coming inside and, and not playing with much width at all. Even Jack Grealish and Bernardo Silva would come inside when they got the ball. But can can they can they do it over the season at, at the risk of asking that rhetorical question that uh, side has proved earlier on but you know you, you you would say that surely they need just some options for uh for a, a sort of full back with a bit of pace you look at kyle walker city in in a large part beat real madrid because they had kyle walker up against Vinicius. if they don't have him that game could be completely different at and, bernabao and then at as well so I think you do need a couple of specialists in those wide positions even if you're not going to play them every game so yeah just someone who can play fullback who and you don't really want to be relying on Sergio Gomez and Rico Lewis is your you only fullbacks because it's not fair on them and they're young and they're not the standard that City would want in those those big games and in, in Lewis's case not the standard yet but uh, no I would say fullbacks and probably just someone who's capable of playing a bit wider
0: would you echo those thoughts? Size. Obviously, City haven't actually kind of replaced Zinchenko yet, probably have they? Because their uh mishap last summer, not getting Kukureya, letting Zinchenko go, then having Gomez stay. It wouldn't surprise me if Gomez finally does get his loan move, which he kind of quite clearly needs. So it does seem like defence is the main area of concern after
2: maybe the midfield once Kovacic is done. Uh and Zinchenko is the prime example of um you know. First he time. left and he should have been replaced and why haven't you replaced him and <laughs> is it a mistake replacing Definitely him? Arsenal are gonna win the league why did you let zinchenko and jesus go oh 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 right okay right yeah never mind um yeah it's um i, I think defense will be the main thing but not really for zinchenko more kind of laporte is expected to go um they, they're interested in in gradiol which you can understand why um he would be big money that would probably be um the you know the their main summer signing um unless kind of bernardo leaves and they decide on some kind of something else big um but yeah i think Gradiol coming in for for laporte say would be that evolutionary signing that will um help keep them keep them ticking over um they've kind of also got decisions to make on the likes of say taylor howard bellis who was out on loan and did very well at burnley who got promoted james mcatee in midfield did very well at sheffield united and is now back um you know even kind of james trafford uh currently england under 21s after doing well at bolton um I think he uh I think he said he was or did he say it, or did he Everett say that he was coming back to me number 2 at city?
0: Um he said he wasn't coming back to Bolton either way is what he said. Like his right. time at Bolton is done. He's either going to city or the
2: rumor is he's wanted by Burnley. Well, yeah, I mean he's um he basically said he wants to play. Um mm. and city have not only Edison but also Stefan Ortega and mm-hmm. also Scott Carson still. So um yeah, it will. So decisions to be to be made by City on um, a, a number of, of players who've been on loan. Mm-hmm, absolutely, we'll talk
0: more about the transfer window, no doubt, next week when Gundogan hasn't given us a massive topic to fill airtime with. So we thank him very much for that, and we thank him for all the brilliant moments he has given um, every City fan over the last seven years. And speaking of City fans, we thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Talking City podcast. If you enjoyed this, you can watch it in living colour on our YouTube channel, the ever-growing YouTube channel. Get over there. It's a, you, you know, it's Manchester City MEN. You know how YouTube works. Just search it for loads of good videos of City-related stuff. I'm sure there'll be some lovely Gundogan tributes going up there. No doubt. And if you want to keep up to date with all the latest transfer news as the summer rumbles on, you can go over to UK forward slash Manchester City. You can get us on Twitter at Man City MEN and the Facebook page is Manchester City MEN. In. But, and, ladies and gentlemen, until next week, thank you all uh, once again very much for listening, and we'll see you then. Ta-ra.